Hello, Real Talk listeners. Welcome back to our last episode of I Hate My Effin' Job. Today, we're going to talk about two topics. We're, we're going to wrap up our series, actually, and we're going to just kind of put a huge bow on this entire series and talk through some of the additional reasons people dislike their job and as an organization, how you can either help with that or as uh, an employee in a company, what you can do as well and some of the factors that determine why you leave a company. And let's just be real. You can leave a company for many reasons. We've obviously just talked through this series of the top reasons why people leave companies. There's Tons more reasons why people leave and their frustrations. We get it. But these are the ones that companies can help you with or your people leaders can help you with or you essentially have the control to and to write the narrative, your your own story of staying with the company or walking out. So the next two topics uh, for uh, today we're going to talk through is really, I would say, one of the biggest ones, Michelle. I would say lack yeah. growth. And, you know, not being challenged enough or developed and challenging customers, both internally and externally. So it's, it's, it's interesting because I think those are definitely two key reasons. I know the lack of growth has definitely been a reason why I've looked for other positions. Me too. Yeah, definitely in a couple of situations. So uh, it's interesting. I was, um, I'm going through an audio book, uh, an audible book right now. And one of the topics that they brought up was results from a Gallup survey. And in the Gallup survey where they were trying to identify why people stay with a company, they ask a series of questions. And all of the questions that mattered to individual, I'm going to say individual contributors, but that's not really what I meant. So sorry. What I mean is your contribution as an individual. So regardless of where you are from a rank perspective, the things that mattered were the investment in me as an individual, the fact that my job is clearly defined, I'm provided the resources to do it well, as well as grow to the next level. My boss is open with me about my challenges as well as my successes to push my development further. So it was interesting to me that while in this particular Gallup survey, they were trying to figure out what it was about the company that made people stay, every single question, all nine of the questions that mattered to the thousands of people they surveyed were about your investment in me. So it was about me and how the company showed up the table for me. They actually broke it down and they called them we questions or me questions. Um, And the me questions were the ones that had the biggest impact. All too often, I think one of the things that happens is organizations kind of get stuck in the place of this is what we do. This is what our org chart looks like. This is what our roles do. Um, And these are the things that work. And what companies are finding is if they're not ready to be at least a little more flexible, that they're going to lose people. Um, I did leave an organization that I love. Well, love the organization, love the team. It was a great work experience for me. But the, the one thing that I would say that they did successfully and they did different than most companies is they were really clear to me the job that I came in at, that they would be able to provide me learning and development. They would be able to give me like 
cool projects. But unless I was willing to relocate to where their corporate offices were, they couldn't see me progressing a traditional corporate ladder. Mm. Now, unless I talk about my theory on this, maybe we'll create a whole series on how remote work is effective because Olivia and I have been doing remote work, wow, since probably the early 2000s. And we've worked for bosses that handled it well and bosses that did not, companies that handled it well, as well as companies that did not. But so that piece aside, what I'm saying is they were really clear with me that if I wanted lateral growth, that I would have to relocate. I was not willing to relocate. I was honest with them as well. So an opportunity came up and I I went back and I told them uh, they were not surprised. Yeah, that's um, interesting. I think there's, uh, like, if you peel back the onion on a lot of these things, there's a couple of reasons or a couple of things that people consider growth. And it changes, I think, by generation. Absolutely does. If you look at, gosh, millennials or Gen Z, growth for them means job title growth. So they can be like a customer service rep one, but they want to get to a two, three, four. They want to see those numbers change or they want to be a senior customer rep. So how do I grow? What additional project do I take on or responsibility to help me grow my job title, not necessarily grow my, um, expand my portfolio into another position totally. So it's very interesting. So there's kind of a multitude of factors there where it's like, you're growing internally in your own personal job, or you're growing through job titles or throughout the organization. Um, and yeah, I think it's, uh, it's definitely interesting how companies are handling that right now. So one of the great things, and it's, um, it's actually a conversation that um, I was able to be an active part of in the um, the job I had prior to, um, you know, us kind of jumping into this adventure with real talent was how do we create a career progression chart? And we did have to strip it down and start from scratch. And there were, there was absolutely some pushback from that old school mentality of you go from some the previous job was a restaurant industry. And there was this old school mentality of you're a host, then you're a waitress or a server, right? You're a bus. Well, it's not called that anymore. I forget. Man, that feels like a lifetime ago. A service assistant. That's what we called it. You're a service assistant. You start playing in the kitchen more. You become a cook. Um, we used cook, not chef. And then you move into a lead in the back and then you move into an assistant manager role then then a gm role perhaps right and what we were proposing was that there was additional levels built in there now to be honest i'm not sure how many levels you can make a hostess like a hostess one a hostess expert but what you could do is recognize that hostess expert and those are the ones that actively go above and beyond that troubleshoot problems. I worked with some pretty incredible hosts at the restaurant I worked at. And so we created that kind of entry level position, but then you had the training expert, right? So they were the ones, they were everybody's first go-to in that role so that they could start setting the foundation up for good to begin with. And then the same thing with the server role, 
was creating that server trainer role. But then we went one step further and we said those trainer roles can eventually bundle into a front of house lead, right? So we put that lead role in there. Their focus was front of house. And then we continue to do that back of house. And then we continue to add formality around what they were just calling a, a variety of names, key carrier, lead, person in charge. We put some formality around that and it became the stepping stone to that assistant role. Um, and then the assistant role became the stepping to that uh, GM role at that point. So you know what? Go look at your org. There Are there ways to change it? I'm currently working with um, a vice president of engineering and he took over a really, basically a clusterfuck of an org. Like you had one person over here that was called an engineer, one person over here that was called a maintenance tech, and yet they do exactly the same job. But because their titles were different, their pay isn't comparable. So it's like this whole crazy chaos. But one of the first things, what he um, invested his first focus around was what should good look like. Um, and now he has branching trees, basically, where if you are maintenance, these are the levels. Here's where engineering starts, and these are the levels. And then as you're growing within those individual levels, here's where leadership roles or even project management roles come into place. And so now that we have that definition around the career progression within those roles, now we can put clarity around who really is in what categories. But this is the big thing. It is clear to the employees how they get to the next step. And that's what you're talking about, Maria, is for some people, it is going to be about what that next title is. Maybe it's just about, I want to be the best of in my place. So if you are that customer service rep and you see that there's like customer service rep one, two, then senior, which is pretty common, right? That you build that foundation. What a lot of people want is just like, I'm, I want to be the best. I want to be that senior. But now you've defined that role for them. And in that definition, you've given them things they can work on to get there. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, gosh, this is such good advice. This is like free stuff we're giving away, really free stuff that is like really is good stuff. That, that's common sense for businesses, but they don't necessarily apply some of these pieces all the time. They don't look at it from that perspective. But yes, I think um, one of the things, you know, I've really helped, uh, you know, uh, put in place for organizations is really having them create roles and grow roles within the department but also having them define not only the role and responsibility, so aligning a true job description to what they want that to be, but also the competencies that have to align to that job description. So those are a multitude of pieces to take a look at. I guess we're not really giving out free awesome advice right now because people usually hire us to do the competencies pieces and the job descriptions because that's like the not part. <laughs> Truth. That is, trust me, that is not the part that you're like, yes, let me write competencies and job descriptions. Yeah. No one goes into that process cheering. <laughs> so true. Yeah. So that's an interesting part from, 
you know, a growth perspective. Um, as a business, that's what we need to do. And that's that's a lot of where in industries are lacking right now is creating that growth and creating a career, uh, a clear career pathway. And so that is one facet of the whole problem. But Michelle, go ahead. Oops, sorry. No, go ahead. I'm interested. What are you going to say? Um, what, no, I want to hear what you were going to say. I want to see if we're reading each other's minds. No, we're not. I'm pivoting. <laughs> You were going to say, but Michelle, you said something, Michelle, earlier that talked about how, you know, a business or people want to grow in their position. And it's just super interesting because you're, you know, we don't necessarily we give someone clarity, but then the business also says, sorry, I don't have time. I actually had someone reach out to me and say, I want to learn human resources. And I'm like, great, I can mentor you. And then the business leader was like, sorry, we don't have time. We like, we're too busy. I had the exact same thing. Interestingly enough, we were thinking alike because what I was going to go to is how, how um, we started to recognize, recognize that trend in newer people to the organization about growth. Now, what I would tell you, I'm going to stay on that for just one second. I don't think that's, abnormal. If you think about people when they first enter their careers, most of them are like hungry to get to that next place, right? But the other group that I want to talk about is what you're you're speaking about specifically. So one of the things when you've been in the workforce for a long time, for a lot of us, there really does come this moment where you're like, title schmidle, who the fuck cares? I just want a cool job where I can contribute. And because my generation has been in the workforce for much longer, right? We want something where we can contribute, we can do really cool things, but we can also have a balance um, with other things. So for us, it's not always about a title change. It is about those opportunities. Is It is about if I come to you and say, hey, I want to le- learn about human resources, getting those opportunities. So I want to give some incredible props to a previous job that I have have had where they didn't even ask that I did this, but I was going to ask for money to attend a conference that I thought was really cool. Um, It would have helped me with my job, um, but it also would have pushed me to learn some other stuff that weren't currently on um, the radar for the role that I was in. Um, And I really wanted to go. So I put together a proposal of the value and how I would use it when I came back and what the investment was. And I went to my supervisor and I gave it to her and she was like, holy crap, what is this? And I said, you know, I want you to invest $3,000 in me right now. I want you to know what you're going to get from a return on that investment. And the great thing is they absolutely said yes. Um, And it paid out for them and it paid out for me. We were able to start introducing some of those other things that we hadn't thought about before um, because we were able to see how easy it was to execute on them. But I've also worked in businesses where I've said, can I have $200 for membership to whatever society is sort of the leading expert in your field? And for me, that would have either been in my life, ATB or SHRM or uh, the Society of Industrial Organizational Psychology, right? And I would have asked for a very small amount of money to not only stay on the cutting edge of what was happening either in training, HR, or org development. So that's the one plus. 
is that you're always on the cutting edge. The second advantage to having those memberships is that without question, you have access to experts everywhere. Um, They all have forums where you can go in, put in your question, and then you start to see responses both from leading experts on the topic as well as other people that might have the same question you do, right? And then you get access to all of the resources. Um, And by resources, I mean, with SHRM, we're talking about a multitude of job descriptions so that you don't have to start from scratch, right? (laughs) Um, But even though we're really talking about a few hundred dollars a year, the answer was no, because we'll just Google it. We'll figure it out on our own. I don't know if you guys have Googled stuff, but Google is not always true. True story. (laughs) So, you know, those are... (laughs) Those are some of the places where it becomes frustrating as somebody who is not necessarily, you're trying to hop to the next position, but who is just trying to be the most knowledgeable, most successful in their role. And you don't even have access to resources that help you with that development. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's been a struggle too. Cause you're just like, it's $200. It is so cheap. But at the, at the same time, you're not looking at the company's financials. You, you don't necessarily maybe see what struggles are happening behind the scenes or what they're trying to plan or prepare for. So, you know, totally get it. And that's where as a department, you probably need to align and provide clarity to your employee population um, on what that looks like for their future. Yes. Yeah. I would say we always need the Walmart greeters. So some people like Michelle in your generation or older are probably always going to want to stay in their roles. And that's okay, too. You're always going to need that entry level role. You are. So I'm always going to be the Walmart greeter. And you can still grow that population by giving them, you know, a new approach on how to greet customers. Right. You can pause, you can ask them what they want to do, if there's anything there's interested in. So you are right. There are some nuances that as an individual, you may not be aware of. Now, it should be a conversation during budgeting that your entire department is having. You know, what do we invest in internal development within our team? And do we put that in the budget? Even when you put it in the budget during the budgeting process doesn't mean it gets proof because uh, there are other things that the organization has to look at. And sometimes that does mean cutting other things. Another thing, Maria, you said at the beginning of this, a lot of this is in your hands. Here's what I would say. Best thing I ever did was put together a business case for why I needed to go to the conference. Um, In fact, when I put together that first business case, I did it for everything I asked for after that point. And they knew I'd put the work in to be able to illustrate to them why it was going to be valuable. So I don't think I ever got a no, ever. But the other thing, let's say you're that person who you are an incredible asset, let's say in operations leadership, but now you're saying, I want to dabble in sales or I want to dabble in HR. I think those are the places that honestly, at times you've got to realize that that's the above and beyond. That may not be the what you do during the majority of your day because you were hired to be that ops manager because they needed an ops manager. So there could be a number of things that you could work on. First of all, 
Maybe you identify someone in your department that is aggressive and wants your role when you step out of it. Maybe you start to give them the opportunities to practice their skills by putting them in charge while you go shadow Maria during an investigation or spend an hour a day working on a project that is HR related. And so now what you've done is you've built up the skill of someone else. So you're providing growth for other people, but you're also doing one thing that is critical when you work for other people is you're making sure that there is not a felt gap from your absence, right? Because the minute the gap is felt from you stepping away to do something, that's the minute people are going to start saying, no, we don't have time for that. Or that's, you know, now's not the best time. So you really kill multiple birds. Three, in fact, you can address the business's need for continuous work. You can address your development and you can address the development of someone that reports to you by being creative. And so when Maria said, you are able to influence these things, these are easier for you to make a difference in. They truly are. It just means that you have to not expect for people to hand you stuff. And you're going to have to expect to get creative on how you make it happen. Yeah. As an employee, I feel like you need to promote your own growth. And a lot of leaders, they seek that out from their employees. They want them to come to them. They're not going to sit there and hand them everything on a silver platter and say, here's your growth path, because this is you know, what I think you should do, right? They're going to expect you to come to them to have that discussion. And, you know, it's interesting as a business, what frustrates me the most is when employees want to cross train or learn and the people leaders or the business say we can't do that because there's not enough time in our day. Then you really have to assess whether or not your staffing issues are right. You are not you are not staffed well enough because if someone can't take an hour a week away from their time to go do some mentoring, that means they can't even take uh, four four hours of uh, time off in a month, essentially, is what you're saying, because they can't take vacation time. So you're obviously not staffed for anybody to be sick or take vacation time if they can't even spend an hour to develop. Which is ludicrous if you're trying to be successful. I'm not saying overspend on payroll, But if you don't even have enough time for people to take a sick day, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah. So I would say that's the business case. And that's the challenge, right? Because even if they're not training for their own personal growth for quote unquote fun, they need to do training for that's a compliance piece. Yep. And we're not even accommodating for that. And so... That's where we need to take a look at a staffing piece. In addition, there's two additional ways you can identify if your employees are seeking out that growth and they're not getting it. One is through the organizational health survey or a check, right? An engagement survey. I know we've talked about like that's not like the best survey unless you actually do crap with it, which is absolutely true. But you can influence feedback through that essentially. The other option is leaning in on your HR platform. So your HR platform, if it has, 
areas for your employees to go in and talk about if they want to relocate, what roles they want to do. That is fantastic as a resource for you to use, but you have to use it consistently. You have to drive it. You have to engage employees to update it. Um, there has to be you know, some sort of annual cause around it, usually around performance uh, reviews, quarterly check-ins, one-on-ones, whatever the case may be, to have them actually physically go in and update. So there's a couple of options there if you're trying to navigate and trying to identify where your bench resources are in your organization or where employees want to grow. That is pretty much, I would say, the high levels of growth and development in an organization. Like I said, you're always going to have some sort of opportunity there. And that's a reason why you or your employees are leaving a company because they're not being challenged. Um, But you're always going to need your Walmart greeters, right? Or your front door greeters. And they are also potentially at risk of leaving. And I think it's because the customers that they deal with every day. So the most interesting thing in the world is I remember when I first stepped into a role as a manager of a retail environment. So I, I tend to come from a place where I'm, I'm pretty honest with people and I disclose a lot of information because I feel like the more information you have, the better empowered you are to do your job, right? We should all believe that if you don't already change yourself. But I remember talking to someone about a customer and the customer did something. And the customer was clearly wrong. And that was when someone asked me the question, they're like, at what point is the customer wrong? And you guys have all heard that saying, customer's always right. In the event that the customer is wrong, assume the customer's right. Always. Um, And so we actually changed that saying with the team that I worked with. And instead of saying customer was always right, we actually said the following, The customer is usually wrong. Your job is to figure out how to make them happy before they leave. I like it. Because the reality is, whether it is you have a policy that they don't understand, there is a requirement that they don't understand. I'm telling you, what I have found in retail is more times than not, the customer is fucking wrong. (laughs) And I think that there becomes, there has to be clarity around when their wrongness results in us taking the higher road and making it right anyway. And when the customer's wrongness results in us saying they are wrong. Um, And I worked with an incredible, incredible manager who um, there were a few things she was super clear on. And she made it really clear to us what she saw as the line of customers not understanding and being unhappy and customers being a little bit abusive or totally abusive. Um, And one of those places for her, like I'd be fired if I was her customer today with how much I cuss. But um, back in that time, cussing was not common. And when when you cussed at or cussed out someone, and we were really clear what the difference was. Like we would even say, if somebody goes, damn it, this sucks. That's not them being mean to you. They're just expressing that a situation sucks. And frankly, probably does suck, whether it's their fault or your fault. 
situation probably sucks if they said it, right? But when somebody's going to go, are you effing stupid? Or even are you stupid? Why would you do that? That is where it's turned to abuse. And those are the places that are unacceptable. And she would support me every time. Like I remember I've had some pretty abusive folks for a while in my career. I worked in the printing industry, which was one of the coolest jobs I've ever had outside of um, HR. And I had a customer that basically brought in, we call it chipboard. Um, if you don't know what that term is, it is basically about half the thickness of a cardboard box that you receive from Amazon. It's a really thick doc, a really thick piece of card that is typically used in the printing industry when you're cutting stuff. Um, and it works as a stopper at the end of it to make sure your documents have a clean cut, right? He brought in chipboard and he wanted to run it through the machine and he didn't ask anyone to help him. So he basically tore up the copier. When he finished tearing up that copier and he couldn't get the chipboard out because it's too thick, he went to the next copier. By the time he came to ask for help, he had broken three of our copiers in the self-serve area of the store. Oh boy. And I tried to explain to him and I showed him the cardstock that we did have. And I said, this is what we can print on. We can print on a, a thicker material. It does take a little bit longer to get it back because it has to be done a different way, blah, blah, blah. Probably over-explained it. But he literally, he started shaking his head. His hair was flying everywhere. And he was like, it should be a sin to be as stupid as you are. And um, as a 19-year-old, I wanted to say lots of things, but I knew that I had the support of my boss. And so what I said instead was, um, it is unacceptable for you to abuse me or other employees in this location. So effective today, you are banned from this store. We will have law enforcement mail you a no trespass notice. I appreciate your time, right? Now, in hindsight, I'm not saying employees are never wrong. There were a number of things that I did wrong. Now, again, my boss supported me completely. She was like, that is unacceptable to talk to someone like that. And then we did, we mailed a no trespass sign warrant to him in his mail. But what were the things that I did wrong? You know, it's funny, and she never called me out on this. It wasn't until I started teaching customer service classes that I use this as an example. Example number one, I knew that people using those self-serve copiers were usually unequipped to use them successfully. I let that guy stand out there for 30 minutes and never once went and said hello to him. If I'd gone out to that environment for just a minute, first of all, we wouldn't have broken all of our copiers and we could have resolved the situation before he was already frustrated, right? Because by the third copier, not only had he damaged our equipment, but he was frustrated because he wasn't getting anything done, right? Still doesn't excuse the way he talked to me, but he was frustrated. The other thing that I definitely should have done different, he didn't need my overly complicated, I'm an expert about printing explanation about why chipboard doesn't work and why we have to send it to an offset printer. Um, and so for somebody that was already frustrated enough to break multiple copiers, to not have anybody pay attention to them, me 
sounding a little bit arrogant with my knowledge and condescending probably, um, that just added to his frustration. So that was really where we came up with, they're not always right. Um, And then over time that migrated because I had some employees that were even harder to get to understand, we're going to do what it takes to make them happy. And so we migrated it to, yep, they were not right, but how did we contribute to their wrongness? We used the word wrongness a lot because it was funny. And so we would literally try to challenge each other and they would say, I had this customer do this. And then I'd be like, what did you do wrong? And so it would be this game of, can we identify the things that we should have done different so that we don't do them in the future to make it better? But the truth is, I believe you need to be able to fire a customer. Yeah, that's uh, that's strong. That is strong. Um, but I don't think every company believes that. They have the philosophy of the customer is always right. And I think one good example of this, for the most part, are the, like this is a restaurant industry. I used to serve tables. And you literally deal with the abuse And some people are good at dealing with it. Gosh, they will retire being in the restaurant industry dealing with the abuse. And they couldn't do it. Yes, I'm sorry. Your food's, you know, your food's a little too cold. I mean, I grabbed the plate. The plate's hot. It's steaming. The food's steaming. But okay, it's not warm enough for you. Whatever. Right. So that's a philosophy of the restaurant industry. The customer is always right. Or a lot of other companies. So I think you as an employee have to determine if you're in specific industries or you're in a company that has that mindset of the customer is always right. You have to determine if you're going to take that abuse. But then you also, like you mentioned, Michelle, you also have to have a leader who supports you and backs you up if that's not the case. You absolutely, absolutely do. You, you, even if you work for a company who's like no holes barred, customer is always right. You've got to determine if that value meets your value. Are you the kind of person that can do that? My niece, Samantha, always in the restaurant industry, and she's never in a bad mood. I don't even understand how someone can be in the restaurant industry as long as she has. Like you're saying, those people that retire and just be okay. Like she is always smiling. And there's something about her that just, immediately tends to turn around other people's moods. She does it flawlessly, right? But if you're not Samantha and you're not someone who can let that roll off your back, you've got to ask yourself, is this the right place? Don't take a job just because it's a paycheck because right now, trust me, lots of people are hiring. You've got to make sure you're aligned with their choices. But you also do have to decide when is that moment that it is enough um, I have a friend who is who is a manager of a retail location. Her heritage is Korean. She is American, and she was born and raised here um, in this in the United States of America. And she had a customer cross what should be a protected boundary by insulting her, insulting her heritage, asking her questions, even though she was clearly speaking in English asking her questions like, can you even understand me? Do you even speak English, right? So even if you're an organization that says yes to everything, you've got to know what the line is. She's, she's had customers use 
incredibly derogatory statements towards her. Um, and she is in a company where the, it doesn't result in a slap on the wrist to the customer. It results in a slap on the wrist to her if she pushes back. And those are the places where we have crossed a legally protected line and you need to have a different conversation. Now, uh, the great news is she usually responds appropriately as she should, kind of the way I, I would, which is to stop someone from coming back. She just doesn't always get the support from her leaders. Yeah, that's tough. That's really tough. Yep. I don't, I mean, yeah, I think there's, there's got to be a standard that every company puts in place, but we know that's not always the case. So, you know, it's interesting. I had a leadership class once and um, we had someone in that leadership session who had, he had um, moved to the United States probably six, eight months earlier. Um, and he came from France and when we were talking through customer service and some of the things that could go wrong from the perspective of customer service, he giggled. And I said, I know, because, you know, I said, I'm always going to be honest. He giggled. I thought he was probably giggling because he was thinking what the rest of us do, which is they're usually wrong. And I said, I know they're probably not right, but our job is to make sure that they leave as satisfied as possible, right? Leave happy. Um, and he goes, no, that wasn't why I was laughing. He's like, I don't understand what it is about the culture in the United States of America because where I'm from, and he worked in the restaurant industry in France, and he said, where I'm from, when the customer is wrong, you get to tell them how they're wrong and what you will do to try to meet them somewhere in the middle. And I think a lot of times that's what I heard from my employees. It wasn't that they weren't okay with making it right. So like the customer goes, no, I didn't order a steak. I ordered chicken stuff. And you're like, no, I wrote down steak, medium rare for a reason. I know exactly what you ordered. You did not order stuffed chicken. So it's not even that most people want to put that in their face necessarily. It's that they want to be able to say, oh, is it not to your liking? That was what I wrote down that you wanted. I can absolutely change that for stuffed chicken. Our stuffed chicken is one of the best I've ever eaten, right? They just want some way of being able to say, I'm not a complete asshole and you don't get to treat me like I'm a dumbass without using those words. Mm-hmm. Yeah. By the way, I've said ass a lot in this. So my friend Jenny, who listens to all of our podcasts, She's going to give me a hard time about that, but whatever, Jenny, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love it. So yeah, so I think these are a couple of the reasons and as a business, you need to determine how you're going to navigate that. If you're seeing your employees leaving because of customers and a lot of the times they're probably, that's not probably the, the straw that broke the camel's back, but they are tired of talking about it day after day with their family or friends when they go home. It's just exhausting. It's mentally draining. Yep. So you need to determine what's going to be the right priority for you. So if you need any help with that, we are here at Real Talent to help you navigate your businesses. And as an employee, if you have questions on how we can help you navigate your challenges at work, we are more than happy to help you to reach out to us. Go to realtalent.com or continue listening to our podcast for future updates. Until next time, everyone, take care. Bye, guys.
Bye.